0: You're listening to the Cornerstone Chapel High School Youth Ministry. Let's head into the service for this week's message. Slap dab in the middle of your Bible, Psalm 119, biggest chapter of all the Bible, Psalm 119. We're not going to read the whole thing, but we'll read a few verses of it. Psalm 119, starting in verse 9, says here, How can a young man keep his way pure, or a young woman keep her way pure? By living according to your word. I seek you with all my heart. Do not let me stray from your commands. I have hidden your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. Praise be to you, O Lord. Teach me your decrees. With my lips, I recount all the laws that come from your mouth. I rejoice in following your statutes as one rejoices in great riches. I meditate on your precepts and consider your ways. I delight in your decrees. I will not neglect or forget your word. Let's pray. Father, we thank you so much for your word that we can study to this morning. And as we study more about your word, help us to learn more um, what you have for us as we need to understand that in a relationship with you, the most important things that we can have is our prayer life with you and reading your word and studying it. And so I pray that you would open our hearts, open our minds, open our eyes, Lord, that what you have for us today, that you would meet us here in a special way. We give you all the praise now in Jesus' name. Everyone said amen. Amen. In Psalm 119, this is about basically God's word. Now, if you've been here in the past for the past three weeks, we talked on who is Jesus? Who was he? Was he a man or was he a Lord and Savior that he claimed to be? Was he just another religious fanatic who did great things or is he the creator of the universe? So we have to understand you have to make a choice. Everyone's going to have to make a choice to be held accountable for their decision in Christ. So whether it's in this lifetime or the next, you will make a decision, but I pray that you make it in this lifetime right now That you would offer yourself unto the Lord and say, I'm going to put my faith and trust in you. He wasn't just another man. He is Lord and Savior of the universe. So that was that. And after that, I talked about now, there's two most important things in your life. Two most important things in your life that you need to have as a Christian. Going to church, that's great. You know, coming together at fellowship, that's awesome too. Doing good things for one another, that's great too. But those don't really add up to the most important things that you need in your Christian life. And that is prayer and reading God's word. Those are the two most important things you need for your Christian walk with him. Now last week we talked about prayer. How does your prayer life look? Are you disciplined? Are you diligent? Are you maybe waking up in the wee hours of the morning like Jesus did to read your word? Or are you finding the time that works for you to get alone with Jesus? That's our prayer life. And now the second thing is reading his word. We need to take note of this, that this is so important for us today because some people will say, well, this is boring. This doesn't apply to my life. It was written so long ago. Why is it still relevant for me today? It really is relevant for you and I today. In fact, the Bible says about itself that it's living and active. It's not physically living. It's not going to grow up legs and walk out of here. That'd be a little weird. But it's spiritually active and living right now. Once you dive in, if you seek Jesus with all your heart through his word, he is going to come alive on you and basically be like, I'm here for you. I love you. I have a plan for you. I want I want a relationship with you. So it is powerful. It's God's word. No other religious book out there claims that that they're powerful, that, that you can dive in, it's active, and no other no other God, if you will, is still living today. Everyone, that, everyone has died and moved on. Only the Bible claims that Jesus is still living for us today, and he is, and he's coming back again in human form, again, his second time to take us to be with him forever. And so with all that said, again, this is about God's word and how we need to live according to his word. Psalm 119 asks that question, basically, verse 9, what we just read. How can a young man or woman, this is universal, how can a young person keep his way or her way pure? And then he answers his own question. Well, it's this, by living according to your word. What's the word? It's the Bible. It's God's word for us. It's his love letter to us. It's instructions for us. And He has given us through his prophets and writers, uh, through man that they wrote down according to the Holy Spirit. And this is God's word for us. This is basic instructions for you and me, and we're going to look at that on what that looks like. All right, You can look at the Bible, you can seek it, you can look at it, but you can look at it as just a normal, everyday, dead book that some people do. This is just the Bible, it's filled with you know historical facts, that's great, it's just kind of a dead book to me, like any other. Or, if you seek Jesus with all your heart, you can look at this as one of the most powerful, well-deserved, living books out there for, for all. This is the most printed book in, in, US, in U.S. and global history ever. The most printed book ever is the Bible. And so there's a reason for that. Because as it, as you read it, you start to find out it, it's reading you. Alright? It's kinda weird. Now I think of the movie Toy Story. Everybody like Toy Story? Now when the toys come alive only when Andy, the owner, or anybody else is gone. That's when they only come alive. When they come back, when any owners or people come back, they fall dead again. Alright? I don't want you to look at your Bible as, hey I can come do it but it's just dead. It's just a dead toy or whatever. I want it to be alive. When you come and face and face with it, it's alive for you. All right. It's not like the dead Buzz Lightyear and Woody, okay? That just die when when someone shows up in the room. You be that person when you're seeking the Lord. That this is not just something dead. It's alive. And how are we going to live by it? There's three things I'm going to look at on the three most important things on the Bible itself on how it's important and what it's described as. We're going to look at its description, and then we're going to look at why is it still relevant for me today? Because there will be friends of yours. And maybe even family members and maybe distant relatives that will say, look, the Bible, you just, just take it as you want, but you need to live the life you need to live, okay? Now, as a Christian, I'm going to take every word and, and stand on it and understand that everything in this book will basically describe any aspect of life that I'm going through, all right? So, But you will have people that will try to stray you away and say, look, you can read it if you want, but I don't believe it's the it's the living word of God, it's just another manuscript, it's just like any other religious book out there, take it as you want. If you're a Christian today, you need to understand that this is not just a book. It's not just a book. It's a powerful living word that still stands for today. Jesus would actually say this to his disciples. He says, heaven and earth will pass away. There will be a day when all this will be destroyed, and a new heaven and earth will be made new. But he says this, heaven and earth will pass away, but my words, the Bible, Scripture, will never pass away. It will never fade away. We will always know this. This will always be on our hearts. And so that's why the writer is saying, how can I keep my way pure? How can I keep my way righteous? How can I stay on the path that leads to forgiveness, that leads to heaven? How can I do that? He says here, by living according to what the Bible says. Now, I want to look at three things the Bible describes itself as, and then we're going to look at what does that mean for me today. Because sometimes the Bible comes across as a little boring, a little hard to understand, a little weird. But honestly, the Bible, if you read it in its totality, and read it book by book. Hello? I don't know what that is. Sorry. If you read it in its, sorry, I woke you guys some up. Some of you are sleeping. I know. Hey, it's just the Lord trying to wake you up. If you are living according to his word, it will go well with you. Now, we still live in a fallen world, a sinful nature. It doesn't mean that everything's going to be perfect. But if you live according to his word, and you're honestly diligent in what you do to live a Christian life, God will reward you and bless you for that. He just will, because he loves you. And for those that don't know him, he wants to bless them, but they need to make a choice. And so this is where we are with God's word. Number one, I want to look at what is God's word like? What is it like? Number one, it is like light. All right, Psalm 119:105. write that down. You don't have to turn there. I got it right here for you. But Psalm 119, 105, the psalmist would say, your word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. Most of you guys know this verse. It's a great life memory verse, all right? Your word, God's word, is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. What's he saying here? He's saying that since we live in a dark world, there's darkness everywhere, things are twisted, no one knows the truth anymore except what God's word says, this is a guiding light to show you where to go. I love the iPhone light, all right? Anybody ha- everybody have an Android, iPhone, whatever? You, you sh- probably have a light on there. No one ha- does anyone not have a light on their phone? Okay, pretty much. And if you don't know what that is, then get a flashlight or whatever, all right? This is described as basically a light. This is light guiding you where to go down a path that is darkness all around. We need that. Okay, when you're trying to fumble through something and you're in the dark, you you whip out your iPhone, turn on that light, you got a flashlight, it's to help guide you where to go. Now, everything around you still stays dark, but what you shine on exposes something, okay? And what the word of God does, it basically exposes sin in our life, but it also shines a light on where to go in a dark world. The Bible does say this too, that when you are walking through a darkness of the world, you start to get comfortable in the world, you start to live like the world does, you start to think that it's just the normal thing to do, that this is a dark world, and the Bible says don't go down that dangerous path. That thinking like this dark world is all that there is, that that's the norm, but when light shines on darkness, then sin is exposed, something's not right. And that's what the Bible is, it guides us, it guards us, it shows us where to go, because we're living in a fallen dark world and we need the word of God to show us the way. And so that is, number one, what God's word is like. Number two, it's like a sword. All right, a sword basically is also for two ways, offense and defense. A sword in the Roman times, a sword was made double-edged, all right? They had double edges on the side to basically when you wanted to kill your enemy or whatever, you could just, you know, turn it around or whatever, and you've got that baby down, okay? It was a double-edged. It was masterful, all right? The technology that the Romans had was crazy, and what they had here was a double-edged sword that when you penetrate something, you kill it, and you can just maneuver it any way you want, it's dead. God's word is also described like that. It's interesting. In Hebrews chapter 4, verse 12, i want to read this to you. The Bible is described as being an offensive weapon and a defensive weapon. Here it is. The word of God is living and active, and it's sharper than any double-edged sword. It's sharper than any double-edged sword, spiritually. And it says, it penetrates even to the dividing soul and spirit, joints and marrow, and it judges the thoughts... And the attitudes of what the heart the Bible spiritually is sharper than any double-edged sword because it goes down deep into your darkest soul it goes down deep into your darkest secrets that no one else knows only God knows it goes down deep to where you don't like to reveal these things because you feel like God won't love you or people will think you're weird the Bible judges your thoughts and attitudes of the way you live it judges the heart and out of the heart your mouth will say something you know, out of the, mar- out of the mouth the heart, the heart speaks, okay? That's what the Bible says. So the word of God as an offensive weapon is penetrating your heart and my heart to reveal certain sin, to expose some certain sin issues. A sword will do that. And a sword sometimes hurts. Well, a sword actually does hurt, all right? Does anyone held a sword? They're heavy too, all right? So that's what God's word does. Sometimes it hurts because it's truth revealing something in your darkest, deepest soul that's something that needs to come to light, and everybody has this. Everybody's got something, whether it's good or bad, that's a secret just between you, just maybe between somebody else, maybe only you and the Lord. But a sword will do that offensively. It's going to cut through the heart. All right, it want, it wants to basically spiritually rip us open of any sin that comes our way, and to create it and create in us a new heart. But now it's also defensive because in Ephesians chapter six, verse seventeen. The Bible describes the sword of the spirit, the armor of God. You know that chapter in Ephesians chapter 6, put on the full armor of God. You've got the helmet, you've got the breastplate, you've got the shield, you've got the belt, you've got the shoes, you've got the sword. And the sword says it's the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. That is a defensive mode, because why is Paul talking about put on the full armor of God? Why, would he, why do we need to put on spiritual full armor of God? It's because we need to watch out for one guy, and that's the enemy, and that's Satan. And after that comes becomes his little minions, the demons, all right? Just picture demons as those yellow freaks, those minions, all right? Those are demons, okay? (laughs) And then after that is the fallen world. How are we supposed to defend ourselves with God's word? How did Jesus defend himself when he was tempted in the desert? There's a story of Jesus when he was tempted in the desert for 40 days. He did not eat or drink. He was fully man but fully God. He went to the desert to pray, to seek the Lord, all right? He had just been baptized and now he goes in the desert and he's tempted by who else but Satan? And Satan would tempt him to do this, do that. It wasn't really actually bad things either. Satan just said, hey, why don't you make these stones bread? I know you're hungry, Jesus. And I know you can do it. Make him bread. What did Jesus do? He quoted scripture. He, talked, he, he spoke the word. He would quote Deuteronomy. He would quote, he would quote the Psalms. Satan, no, Satan, I'm not going to do this. Here's what the Bible says. It's a defense mechanism. He would use the, and then Satan couldn't touch him. Satan tried at least three times. And then his final one was, hey, how about you bow down and worship me? You're not going to do anything else? I can give you all of this if you just would bow down and worship me. And God said, and Jesus says, no, only God is going to be worshipped. And he backed it up with scripture. That's what we can do. When people come your way, when, when friendships, when classmates, when even teachers, when even family members may come your way and say, look, look, none of this is, is accurate. None of this is true. You can back it up with scripture. When Satan comes and tempts you to do something, when Satan comes and wants to make your life miserable, wants to rip your family apart, what can you do? You can quote scripture back to him. Because he can't touch you once the Bible's being preached. Jesus did it. It's a model for us. It's a sword. It's for offense and defense. It'll judge your thoughts and your heart, but it'll also protect you from the evil one. And so last but not least, God's word is also like water. You need water. I need water to survive. You cannot go for a long time without water until you're dead, okay? And God's word is described as water. In John 4, 14, I'll read it to you. This is when he's talking to the woman at the well. It's a great story. And in John 4, he says here, whoever drinks the water I give him or her will never thirst again. And she's like, wait, where is this magic water? (laughs) What are you talking about, Jesus? Like, you've got this water when we'll never go thirsty again? He says, I'm not talking about physical water. He says right here he says indeed the water i give you will become in him a spring of water welling up to eternal life he's talking about spiritual life it's spiritual water and he says it's from here i'm going to give you this water because the bible says that we're also hungry and thirsty for righteousness we hunger and thirst for jesus and in that his his word is like food to our stomach and water for our soul basically this is water we need this to drink we also need it to cleanse us Because Ephesians chapter 5 says that the washing of the water through the word will cleanse you from your sin. So water has two different, water has many components. The two components that it has is we need to drink it to survive. We also wash ourselves with it. You take showers with water, okay? Take showers with water. Don't drink the shower water. It's not good for you. But anyway, when you wash yourselves, you're washing yourselves with water. That's where the Bible describes itself as we are filthy rags. We're dirty. Sin leaves a stain in us. And what's the Bible do? It washes us clean because you're reading the living Word of God. It will wipe every tear from your eye, it will take any thought from your life that is painful, it'll take away the sin, it'll take away your stains, it'll make you new, and water does that. We need it for survival, we also need it to cleanse us. The Bible is described as these main three things that I think of, there's many more the Bible describes itself as, but the three main things are a light, a sword, and water. And again, in summary, this is what they could look like. A light, it guides us. The Word of God guides us. guards us. It shows us the way. It shows us the path we need to go down. We need to fix our eyes on Jesus. He's at the finish line for us. He's waiting for us to finish this le- life, to finish this race. And he needs, we need his word to guide us and guard us where to go. So that's light. It's also a sword. It trains us. A sword for battle. The Roman soldiers were trained with the sword and the shield for battle. They would, train, they would be trained offensively to kill and defensively to protect themselves. That's what the Bible does. It trains us. I love what 2 Timothy 3.16 says. You know John 3.16? Look up 2 Timothy 3.16. A lot of people don't understand that one. That's a good 3.16 passage. And it says all scripture, the Bible, is God-breathed. Mainly saying God spoke this, used man to write it down, but it was inspired by his Holy Spirit. It was God-breathed, and it's used for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness. God's word is used for training. It trains us. This will build character in you. This will make you stronger in your faith. This will help you stay away from the evil one as well. It'll help protect you, and it'll help, it'll help know who you are in Jesus too, because it'll show you, hey, there's something on in your life that you're, not hold, that you're still holding on to. You need to let it go. And a sword will do that. A sword will penetrate our hearts to show us what we really are. And what, who we really are are just sinful human beings who are in need of a Savior. That's why God sent his son. And last but not least, again, it's water. Water fills us up. Water satisfies us. When you're thirsty, when you're walking up these steps, up here to the youth room, you get pretty thirsty. You go straight for the water bottles, all right? We get tired, we get thirsty easily, and we need need water to survive. That's God's word. God's word will fill us and satisfy us more than anything else, more than a relationship with a boyfriend or girlfriend, more than money, more than popularity, more than friends, more than fame, more than anything. God's word is the only thing that is gonna fill us and satisfy us because it's a relationship with him. You can try it, you can try the dating game, it's fine. I love to I, I love to dating, all right? And I'm dating my wife right now. It's great. All right? So, please date to date to marry. It's all right. Just know that there are some boundaries too and we will get into dating as well, not today, but use that. You, basically, God's word will will fill us up. No relationship will do that. Not money, not popularity, not fame. We we, we tend we tend to search for things to satisfy us. Am I right? We naturally are craving attention and to belong to something, and to feel loved, and to feel wanted. Everyone is like that. That's why, because God has created us as relational beings. God has created us this way, where we are searching for something. Even if it's not someone, it's something, 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 something we're searching for, all right? Maybe a car, maybe maybe a, a game console, maybe anything, money, whatever. We're searching for something to satisfy us. That's why people look to drugs and alcohol as well, because it brings some satisfaction to me that I don't have. Only God's word, his water, will fill you and I up. It's the only thing. It's the only thing. Everything else, it's not going to satisfy us for the long run. It may temporarily satisfy us, but not in the long run. God's word will. We need to remember this. So I want to finish with this. This is what God's word is described as. It's described as these three things. But now I want to see, what does this mean for my life? Because the Bible can come across boring to me. The Bible can come across as, you know, it's not applicable applicable to me anymore. I don't really understand it. I don't really read a lot of it. I only read Genesis, and that's it. All right? We need to understand, that like, God's word will not return void. It will, de- it will do a purpose in your life and in my life. But understand that this is what it describes it as, but how, now what do I do with it? What do I do with God's word? You know, you guys are reading school books and curriculum books and academic books for school, and you guys, some of you are going to college, you're going to be reading more books. Books, books, books. Not another book. Please, Tyler. Please. I don't want to read another book. This is not just a book. It's not just a book. And the Bible means basically a, summer, a, like a consummation of all books, okay? That's what the Bible means in English, but this is not just a book. This is a love letter from God himself to you. This is powerful, and a lot of people will take this for granted. You know how many people in China would love to have a copy of this, but basically they have to bring it where the Chinese government won't know? You can't, it's illegal to have a Bible. A lot of other places in Asia and in Africa and in Europe, Europe is very dark spiritually. I, I know people that would love to have a copy of this. But yet we, we keep a plenty of ours on our shelves. We, we forget about them. Dust settles on them. This is living. This is active. When you, when you flip open a page, sometimes it's almost like God is speaking to you directly. You can read a psalm and be like, that's actually what I'm going through right now. can't believe it. God has done that in my life. I'm, I'm going through a hard time. I'm going through some, some worry, some doubt, and I'll go straight to his word. And I'm not going to flip and be around, all right, God, what do you have for me? Oh, here we are, Song of Solomon. Eh, no, I'll, I'll skip that. It's like that, you can play that game all you want. It's like Song of Solomon, all right, no, not that one. But you can keep reading every, whatever you want and be like, oh, I'll just read Joshua, whatever. That, that, you know, that, that, that may work, but honestly, pray and then distinctively and intentionally go to a chapter, go to a, go to a book, And read it and see how God will work in your life. Pick a book to study. Don't just read a verse or a passage. Actually, go through a whole book. Go to James. Go to the book of John. Those are two great books to study and read, especially for new believers. So basically, now I want to give you a, a kind of a bullet point of what to do with God's word now. We've got it down. We know what it's like, but what do I do with it? Here's what we do. And there's four things, and it's found from Psalm 119. And we just went over it. Number one, treasure it. Number two, study it. Number three, delight in it. And number four, don't forget it. This is what the Bible says about itself for you and me. And again, look in Psalm 119 once again. We were just in it. In Psalm 119, the question is, how can a young man, how can a young person, you guys, you guys are teenagers, how can we keep our way pure and focused in this race called life? How do I do that? Okay, I got to live according to God's word. But what, what, what do I do with that? What do I do with it? Number one, it's treasure it. Verse 11. Look what verse 11 says. I have hidden your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. Not will not sin because God, you know, we're not perfect. We will still sin, but it says that I might not sin. I'm going to sin less. It doesn't mean I'm sinless. I just sin less. So basically, when you treasure God's word in your heart, you keep it. And it doesn't mean that you're not not sharing it with anybody because I'm going to get to that. But when you keep it for yourself in your heart and let God work in your heart and in your life, you're going to see that, hey, sin has no hold against me. I can overcome this. Satan has, Satan can't touch me. Can't touch this Satan, all right? Can't do it. When you hide God's word in, in your heart, it's going to change you. Treasure that. Now, the Bible also does say, share his word, too. So it's not like you can't just hoard it and keep it with you and not share it, all right? We learned sharing at a young age. Who likes sharing? Nobody likes sharing. But we had to learn that at two-year, three-year-old. Because a two- and three-year-old will not share their toys, it's just natural. They're sinners, all right? Two-year-olds are sinners, and they're the worst. Anyway, and I'm getting a da- I am getting have a daughter now, and I'm starting to see, oh, man, you are a sinner. Anyway, she was sinful at birth. That's what the Bible says. We're all sinners, okay? And so when we see this, now we need to treasure it in our hearts. The Bible also says to share it. We need to share God's word. But when you first treasure it in your heart and you hide it, it's almost a shield to the enemy. He can't touch you. Nothing else, nothing else can can. You'll never be shaken is what the Bible says. So treasure that, treasure that. It's almost like a pirate. You know, pirates look for treasure and they keep it for themselves. You guys are the pirates. This is the gold, treasure it, all right? That was a stupid illustration, but I hope it works. Anyway, study it as well. And we'll close with these these last four bullet points, study it. Most of us don't really study God's word for what it is. We just come to church Wednesdays and Sundays. That's great, that's awesome. I love teaching the Bible to you guys. You guys also have to do it for yourselves. I'm just telling you that. You have to do it for yourselves. I can't, I can't make your faith stronger. Only Jesus can. I can't always disciple everybody at, at one time. You have to learn to be discipled by another friend or by God's word itself. So study it. Most of you will just come in and read a passage that I teach, or you'll just read maybe a, a psalm of the day, and that's great too. But actually go through a book. Read the book of Joshua, if you will. It's a long, it's a long book, but read it. Read Genesis chapter 1-50. through 50. I challenge you to do this. Read, read a book, and again, I said James and John, practical, easy books, especially for new believers. Read it from chapter to chapter all the way to the end. You guys will read books for English class all the way to the end. Some of you do well, some of you don't. You skim through it. This thing's called spark notes, right? You can just like find it or whatever. Cheaters. I never did that. Actually, I just lied. I did. Um, <laughs> you, can, you can do that, all right? You can, we can almost speed read through the Bible. It's not how it's going to work. You've got to study it. Take notes. I do encourage you guys to take notes during youth group, during main service. Take notes. All right? Whether it is your iPhone or writing it down, do something to remind yourself what I just learned. So we need to study God's word. That's verse 15 when he says here in verse 15, I meditate on your precepts. Meditate. You're you're constantly thinking of it. You're studying it. And also verse 16, we delight in it. Verse 16, the first part says, I delight in your decrees. Do you actually delight in the Bible? We can think of it as boring. We can think of it as just like, ah, it's just another book. But when we actually delight in it, we, when, when we delight and desire to read God's word, I hope you guys desire to come to church, all right? I, I know some of you are like, I don't really want to come to church today. I get that. It's been a long week, a long day. But we need to understand, we delight to come to church. We delight to get into God's word. Because it's the best thing we can have in this life. And so many, again, so many people are in prison right now because of their faith, and they would love to come to this church. They would love to go to any church and read God's word, but they can't because their government, where they live, their faith, they're persecuted, they'll go to jail, they'll even be killed. There's still people being killed today for their faith. It wasn't just in the early centuries. It's still happening. So let's delight and, and, be, and know that this is a privilege that we get to spend in God's word. So delight in it, and not, last but not least, don't forget it. I'm not saying you have to memorize all these verses. I can't memorize verses. I cannot do it, so do not hold me up to that, okay? I, I, just, I just can't. I will read God's word. Things will come to me, but it's really hard for me to memorize, so I'm not saying you have to do that, but honestly, I can, I'll tell you this. There's so many people that will read it, but then they'll kind of do this. They'll leave it there. It's on their, their desk at school, or it's, it's at their home on their nightstand, and they'll just kind of keep it there for months. And hey, yeah, I'm still a Christian, I still come to church, yeah, I still kind of do the Bible thing and the church thing, you know, but I still party with my friends, but I still come to church and whatnot, but do you read the Bible? Oh, the Bible's great, I mean, it's awesome, dude. Well, what are you reading right now? Man, I love everything about it, it's awesome. What are you reading? Dude, it's great. What do you, what do you like about it? Oh, I know, man, it's awesome, like, just sitting there, it's like, it's, it's so cool, I love looking at it. Well, how is God speaking to you? No, dude, man, it's awesome, man. What are you doing? All right. You get frustrated. It's like, are you reading? No, I'm not reading. I'm sorry. I'm not reading it. I'm sorry. It's just sitting here. I don't know what to do. Okay? There's a lot of people that will use this as a decoration. Am I right? This will be at friend's house. This is always like at your grandmother's house. My grandma loves her Bible, and I applaud her for that. But you'll see at other grandparents' house where the Bible just sits there on a coffee table, and it's like a decoration. It's open to Job chapter 1. Are you reading Job chapter 1? No, it's just a decoration. It looks good, Right? That's your grandpa, by the way. Oh, so it's, oh. it's a decoration. It's like, hey, um, this is not just a decoration. This is your prized possession. Does that, does that make sense? This is not a decoration. This is living and active. And if it is just sitting on your nightstand or in your closet or in a bookshelf you have in a room or in your, in your home somewhere and you're not reading it, you will forget it. You will. If you're, not in, a, if you're in a relationship with a boyfriend or girlfriend now, if you're not like, with them all the time, if you don't, if you don't get to know them, kind of forget them, all right, am I right? And then you dump them. Hmm. Some of you need that too, anyway. I was dumped twice and I love it. Anyway, I needed it too. God really humbled me. But anyway, what am I talking about? Don't forget it, all right? So if you're in a relationship with someone or you have a relationship with a good friend or a parent, you get to know them, you're with them all the time. If you're distant and it's a distant relationship, you kind of forget about that person. You kind of forget about them. What what you look like oh my gosh what's going on It's the same thing will happen in your spiritual life you'll forget this because we are prone to wander we're prone to forget things it's only natural we, we can't even keep focused for five minutes am i right i actually got you guys focused for a long time i applaud you for that but i want to close with this i challenge you i challenge you from psalm 119 now that we know it's a light we know it's a sword we know it's also water how will you use it now how will you use it are you going to treasure it is this is this actually like something i cannot i cannot live without you'll hear so many country music songs like i can't live another day without you and your dog and your trailer and your beer and whatever that's great i cannot live a day without this i can't i cannot live a day and if i go without a day i will start to notice myself i'm a little miserable and a little depressed i'm kind of like angry at somebody like i hate you you read god's word no I love you. It almost is like that. When you're constantly in God's word, you have a relationship with him, and that's my point. You have to know who Jesus is, and then if you have a relationship with him, the two most important things in your life is prayer and reading God's word. Not going to church. It's not about doing good works. Those things are great, but the two most important things are prayer and reading his word. Amen? I pray you guys are doing these things. Don't forget it. Don't forget it. I know that commercial, that info commercial, you're probably thinking of it, like set it and forget it. Anybody remember that? It was like a a grill, maybe it was just me. I was growing up and I saw this infomercial, I hate these infomercials, right? Where people like mess up and do things, they can't like like cut paper, they always get like paper cuts, like are you cutting yourself with like scissors and you need something better? It's like these people are weird, like they can never do anything right. Well there was an infomercial for a grill. It was an infomercial for a grill, or it was something else too, it was like some sort of blender or whatever. But basically, you would just set it and forget it. You just set the grill, baby, and it just goes. It sizzles. The steak is done. I don't do a thing. I forget it. Don't do that with this. Don't do that. Set it and forget it, dude. I can live this Christian life without reading that thing. No, you can't. You can't do it. We think we can because we think we can be the best we can be without Jesus in our life, but we can't. So I want to pray for you guys. I want to close with this, and I want to understand what God's word is all about. This is the living and active word of God. Let's use that. Let's apply it to our lives. And remember, Jesus loves you, and he wants this relationship with you, and he's given it to you. So take advantage of it. Amen? Amen. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. For additional teachings and to learn more about the Cornerstone Chapel Youth Group, visit us online at cornerstonechapel.net.